The second scripture this morning continues after the first. Luke 11, verses 5 through 13, page 55 in the New Testament. Listen for the word of God. And Jesus said to the disciples, Suppose one of you has a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread, for a friend of mine has arrived, and I have nothing to set before him. And he answers from within, Do not bother me. The door has already been locked, and my children are in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, at least because of his persistence, he will get up and give him whatever he needs. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Search, and you will find. And the door, Knock, and the door will be opened for you. For everyone who asks receives, and everyone who searches finds. And for everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Is there anyone among you who, if your child asks for a fish, will give a snake instead of a fish? Or if the child asks for an egg, will give a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? The Word of the Lord. Let us pray. Loving God, we ask for you to join us as we worship you this morning. We ask that you open our ears and you open our hearts to your word. And I ask that you give me courage this morning and let my words represent you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Gift giving works a little differently in my family than most. I can't tell you for sure how it got started this way or what the exact reasoning behind it even was. To start with, there isn't really an element of surprise. We are very open about asking each person what he or she wants and then getting them that exact thing. My brother and I generally take a much more proactive approach. Let me give you an example. When a birthday of ours approaches, we actively look and research. Yes, I said research. Exactly what we want. We never went to our parents and said, I would like a bike. Instead, it would be more along the lines of, I found a 2013 specialized tarmac race rival mid-compact on a huge sale at the bike store two blocks down. <laughs> I'm not making this up. <laughs> this year, for my birthday, which was back in May, I really wanted a new bag to carry books or a laptop in when I had a lighter load instead of a full-on backpack. So about a month before my birthday, I started doing my research. This one was very quick. It only took about four to five hours to find a bag. And I ended up settling on a World War II British Mark VII gas mask bag, a replica. <laughs> Do you know why I chose that bag? Let me show you. 
Does this remind you of anything? Would it help if I had a wide-brim fedora and a bullwhip? Maybe if I was standing next to a statue of Yoda in San Anselmo Park? <laughs> this is the same type of bag used in the Indiana Jones movies. And I love Indiana Jones. <laughs> I ended up finding a pretty well-reviewed custom tailor in New Zealand that made this bag. Luckily for me, the price was very reasonable. The custom tailor Decker Train trench coat from Decker Cane trench coat from Blade Runner was not as affordable, or I'd be wearing a coat right now. So I assembled all the necessary information and I put it in a link and all the details and the pricing in an email so I could simply send it to a family member and they could click on the link and simply supply payment. It's true. Now, was this gift a surprise? No, it wasn't a surprise, was it? But I got exactly what I wanted. The disciples went to Jesus in this morning's scripture wanting to know exactly how to pray. They didn't want to say the wrong words and somehow mess something up. So Jesus gave them an example. In the short and sweet Luke version of the Lord's Prayer, the community praying is essentially asking for these three things. Enough food to be able to eat, to be forgiven, and to not have their piety tested. Those three things sound great to me. I imagine it probably sounded pretty good to the disciples too. They seemed to get exactly what they wanted. But Jesus wasn't done. Because Jesus does as Jesus does, and it was parable time. Jesus puts them right into the middle of the action. Right into the middle of a crisis. Because this uses the you. This isn't a parable about somebody else. This is about you. For a friend has come to visit you, hungry and tired after a long day on the road, and you have nothing to offer. You're the host. It's your responsibility to provide for your guest. And if you don't do so, you will be completely ashamed. Everyone's got to hear about it. So what do you do? You go and you ask your neighbor for help, even though it was in the middle of the night. Maybe this is the point when people stop liking their neighbors. Your neighbor tells you, no, their whole family is asleep. And if one of them has to get up and turn the lights on, walk down the creaky stairs, quiet the dog, and open the incredibly loud lock on the door, everyone's got to be awake, and they're going to be awake and cranky, right? Yet you're not dismayed. For you know your neighbor has bread, and you have to have that bread for your guest. So you keep knocking. And you keep shouting, not stopping until you get that bread. I have found that cats seem to especially know this trick when it comes to food. And they will not stop until they get fed. My cat does it in four in the morning, which feels like the middle of the night. And through your persistence of knocking and asking and shouting, your neighbor is smart enough to know that the only way to get you to go away is to give you the bread. And they did. You got the bread for your guest. You got exactly what you needed. It's amazing the events through life that seem to stick with you. No matter how long ago they are, just one small trigger of any sort, and they'll just come flooding back. 
When I was younger, probably around 9 or 10, my family did the trip to Florida and went to Universal Studios. Now, my mom was a huge Star Trek fan. Not as big as Joanne, but still a pretty big Star Trek fan. So we had to go on the Star Trek Deep Space Nine ride. Now, one of the characters in Deep Space Nine, if you haven't seen the show, his name is Quark. And he runs kind of like a cantina, a bar of sorts on the space station. Everyone will go and hang out or what have you. So we're on this Deep Space Nine ride. And as you exit through the ride, you go to a different area and you're just transported into Quark's Bar and Grill. It's amusement park at its finest, right? So we're in this Quark's Bar and Grill, and I can't tell you what I ordered or what any of us got, but what I do remember is they had this really cool commemorative glass. And to get this glass, you had to order one of their high-priced cocktails, right? So I'm like nine or 10, I'm you know, way too young for that. So I don't get one, but I really want the glass. So I tell, my, I tell my mom and dad, you know, one of you should get a drink and then pay extra for the glass and then I'll just take the glass. They didn't buy it. I mean, they didn't buy my argument and they didn't buy the glass, right? <laughs> so I didn't get it. And I walked out thinking, wow, that would have been a cool glass. Fast forward about 15 years and I'm in a thrift store in the middle of Marin County. And I'm walking through, I love looking at the art in thrift stores, and I, you know, there's the furniture, and I'm walking through, and you get to where all the kitchenware stuff is. And on this, they have shelves of all these different colored glasses, you know, all one of a kind, none of them match. And what do I find on that shelf? <laughs> Quarks, bar and restaurant, commemorative glass. <laughs> It is a pretty cool glass, right? So I had to wait about 15 years. And this glass literally traveled across the country. But you know what? For $2.50, I got exactly what I wanted. Have you ever gotten exactly what you prayed for? rather wide away, right away, maybe you had to wait quite a long time. I imagine that some of you have. Now, have you ever not gotten exactly what you prayed for? If you've ever prayed, I think you can probably say yes to that. Yet the scripture for today clearly states, ask and it will be given to you. Search and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened for you. For everyone who asks receives, and everyone who searches finds, and for everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. I sure wish it was that easy. I sure wish I could hand each of you a copy of The Secret and tell you that if you pray to God and live good lives, all of your earthly prayers will be answered. I wish I could tell you that with the laying on of hands, all your cancer would just be gone. I wish I could tell you that if you pray long and hard enough, that God will pay your rent and even upgrade your satellite TV package. <laughs> I wish I could tell you that God was the head of the HR department conducting interviews for that job you desperately need. I wish it was that easy to get exactly what you wanted. In the movie Bruce Almighty, Jim Carrey gets to be God for a few days. 
and he gets to enjoy the perks, but he also has to deal with the responsibilities. He gets frustrated at how many prayers are coming to him. And to get them to simply go away, he responds, yes. The answer to everyone's prayer is yes. He thinks that solves the problem, maybe for him initially. But then riots break out as everyone wins the lottery, but only wins $19. I've often wondered what would happen if everyone's prayer was answered with a yes. Would 30 teams win the pennant this year? My Royals might actually have a chance. Would no one ever die? Would this bag actually make me Indiana Jones? What if you prayed for sun and I prayed for rain? Would anyone get exactly what they wanted? Back home in hot and humid Missouri, there's a local fair event every year called the Santa Caligon. The Santa Caligon is kind of a, well, it started as a celebration for independence being the starting point for westward expansion. Santa Fe, Santa Fe Trail, uh, California, Oregon, Santa Caligon. But it's basically just a carnival. That's all it really is. And we would go to this as I was young growing up because it was, it was the big thing to do in the summer. So I went one year with my mom, and like my other story, I was younger at the time. And we spend the whole day out there. It is hot, and it is humid, and it makes weather out here gorgeous, right? That's why we're all out here probably, right? So we're in one of these days, and we're walking around this whole time through all the tents and the games and everything, and we decide to head home. All the shops and tents are closing up. It's time to go home. So we start the long trek back to the car, because you know parking's never easy at things like this. And as we're walking back, we're walking through this row where there's no one else really around us, and most of the tents, the little stalls, are closed. But there's a couple that are open. Now we can see where the parking lot starts. We're right by the finish line. My mom probably can't wait. And I see that one is open. And when I look in, there's a guy there still running it. And if I look up, I see this wall full of toys of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. (laughs) I love Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. They're my younger Indiana Jones, right, to give you an idea. And as I looked up, I saw and I thought, wow, I could become a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle. I just needed one of those toys. So I begged my mom, and I'm sure we had already played games that day. I don't remember. We probably did. We probably rode rides. I know it was at the end of the day, but at that point, nothing else mattered. And the guy saw that I really wanted one. He'd probably seen this a lot before, that I felt I could be transformed with this one toy. So he showed me how the game works. It was just a little, like a bowl of water with some rubber ducks in it. And you pick one, and there's a number on the bottom, and that corresponds with a prize. And he goes, you know what? It's the end of the day. Just give me a dollar. give you whatever toy you want. Music to my ears, right? But for my mom, it had been a long day, and it was hot, and I don't blame her at all. So she said, no, and we're going. And we left. This story doesn't end in a thrift store. It was the one toy that I felt could have transformed me. But I never got it.
Jesus tells us to ask, to search, and to knock. Not to do it once and wait, or expect it instantly, but to be like the neighbor in the parable, refusing to go away. To keep asking, to keep searching, and to keep knocking. There are a lot of things in life that we want, but that's not necessarily what this prayer or this parable is about. See, the prayer, the Lord's Prayer, which Santa talked about, is about things that we need. We need food to be able to live. There's no doubt about that. Yet 25,000 people a day die of hunger or hunger-related causes. Are they just not praying? Is God just not answering? I can't possibly express to you how difficult it was for me to write a sermon on this text. Because the word is so promising and so hopeful. But that doesn't always mesh with the world we live in. I read the news too much to know that everyone gets exactly what they need. Did you know that in the United States alone, 27% of the food produced each year is thrown away? In a country with supermarkets, refrigeration, reliable transportation, and free of civil war, we waste 263 million pounds of food every day. Is it God that is not providing? Or is it the human race wasting God's gifts? Our God gave us a powerful and dangerous gift. The gift of free will. How much easier would this world be without free will? But how pointless would our actions become when there are no real choices? Our creator came to this world as one of us. Not to control us, but to work with us. See, Christ is not a story of God planning for us, but God planning with us. God involving humanity in the narrative that shapes our planet. I believe that God answers prayers, yet I don't see God working alone. I see God working through the neighbor, providing bread at midnight for a friend. I believe that God answered the prayers of the people enslaved in Egypt, but it took Moses saying yes to God's call to get everything started. When people prayed for mercy and grace, God came to us through Christ. Yet in the Garden of Gethsemane, the humanity of Christ had to say yes. It's not uncommon to struggle with the idea of Christ being fully human and fully divine. Yet in the garden before his arrest, we see the humanity in full force. There is so much stress and pressure that he is sweating blood. A condition called hematidrosis, by the way, so we can all learn something. But he still has the power to say no. The story of Christ is not God working alone, but God with humanity every step of the way. The human Jesus had to say yes. I don't want to but I will. I will die so I can rise again, conquering the stranglehold of death for each of my brothers and sisters. You see, the Bible is a collection of stories of people who said yes to God's call. Samuel said yes. Esther said yes. Daniel and Elijah said yes. Mary and Joseph said yes. Peter said yes. Saul said yes and became Paul. And there are many, many more who said yes. 
We only know their stories because they said yes. We are so loved that the Holy works with us, not over us. Yet, I do realize this kind of puts a burden on us. Because if we really are the hands and the feet of Christ, then we too have to say, yes. There's enough food in the world to feed God's people, but it's thrown away or left to rot when it cannot be sold for a predetermined price. There is food being hoarded by government officials while civil war destroys the people whom the government's supposed to protect. These are not acts of God. These are acts of humankind. Yet hope's not lost. Because when humanity says yes to God, prayers are answered. When we say yes, homeless shelters are started. When we say yes, the marginalized don't feel so alone. When we say yes, people are seen for who they are, not what they are. When we say yes, flowers are delivered every Sunday after church. Every time we say yes to God, the world gets a little bit better. It is up to us to say yes to God and be the Good Samaritan helping out a stranger. God has empowered us to work alongside and with one another, to be God's voice in the world, and to answer the prayers of the people. Now only you can know where God is calling you in this world, but know that you are loved and respected. For God will not force our hand, but know that our Lord is persistent. God will keep asking, keep searching, and keep knocking. It is up to us to open that door. It is up to us to say yes. It is up to us to work with God to help our brothers and our sisters get exactly what they need.